welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Hi. And today we're talking about volume 12 of the Kaguya-sama Love is War manga. A lovely volume. I feel like I've said this before about the volumes, but I love this volume. <laughs> um, a lot of, we got some progress, actually. We really did. Uh, and I think, honestly, at this point so far, this, is, this might just be my favorite volume. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. It just... Well, I'll, I'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. let's let's kick it off like we usually do. Let's talk about Kaguya Shinomiya for a bit. It's funny when Miyuki kind of starts taking the uh, offensive in a way, mm. or at least be, starts to be a little more honest, which we can talk about later, but she kind of doesn't know how to react to that because she's so used to have playing the mind games with him. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I, fir- and I was first reading the volume, I thought maybe... <laughs> Maybe she wasn't going to like that or accept that or maybe the, the fun in their relationship was how they played these mind games with them. But in the ah. end, like she kind of, right. Uh, but in the end, she kind of came around and realized he was putting out the courage or, mm. after talking to Hayasaka. And so she decided to at least show a little more courage herself, True. Uh, even though it was it was both of them were going about it in very indirect ways. Right. Um, but I, I <laughs> yeah. think it was, uh, again, good progress. And it shows that, at least in Kaguya's case, she is definitely willing or a bit willing to uh, maybe take it the next step or, you know, finally get into a relationship with him. Right. And I think she, like, at the end of the previous volume, we learned that, well, Miyuki set this kind of time limit for himself to confess his mm-hmm. love for her because he he's realizing that you know time is running short he's going to you know study abroad it seems and i i feel like kaguya sort of well she, maybe she doesn't have like a time limit necessarily for herself but she has at least started feeling like what if me being like what if me be not taking action as much as i could has ruined my chances with him. Like, she has sort of had mm. those worries as well. So I think they're both really just kind of, well, starting to do a little bit more about uh, the situation more actively. And I think this volume shows mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. For uh, sure. So it's nice to see from both sides. Mm-hmm. Not just Miyuki. Right. But what I loved uh, probably the most about from Kaguya's side of things, this volume, was that she finally said it. She said that she likes Miyuki. That's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, how could I not say that? Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Like, and 12 volumes in, she finally is able to admit mm-hmm. it. <laughs> fin- finally. And it even took Hayasaka by surprise that she said it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love, I love that, that we, we've, it's been a general progression. It, you mm. know, in some manga, it probably would have happened towards the beginning, but Twelve volumes in, we we finally, finally get it. Even though we knew all along that she liked him, but right. <laughs> she's finally willing to accept her feelings for him. Yeah, and you know she was even able to admit, like in front of the student council, that she thinks Miyuki is fine just the way he is. Yeah. Mm. In this volume, I thought that was also you know a big thing for her. Obviously, she didn't say it in, in, in any romantic kind of way in that instance, obviously. No. But mm-hmm. just to be able to express herself that way, that openly to everyone, uh, I thought I thought was big. Indeed. We also learned that she's left-handed. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Hmm. 
I like how when Miyuki kind of opens up to her in a in certain chapter, the balloon one, Kaguya doesn't take the opportunity or not the opportunity, but how would I say? I, Miyuki would probably was probably worried that she would look on him, you know, with the oh how cute face or you know <laughs> kind of pity him or whatever. Yeah. But instead, she seemed really happy that she kind of under learned more about him and understood his secret or a one of one of his secret. And I, I mean, I guess we could chalk it up to romantic, I suppose. But I think it's nice that we see how happy she is to learn a little bit more about Miyuki. Yeah. And I guess from Miyuki's point of view, it it turned out good for him you know, to to open up to open himself up and not be so worried about his flaws. Yeah, exactly. Because so far, he's only shown this side to Chika, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or at Although, least not to Kaguya. Maybe someone else, but like at least not to Kaguya. Well, yeah. But also, I don't know if he really recognizes that he's shown his weaknesses to Chika either. Well, yeah. <laughs> he even said, have I shown my weaknesses? Like, right, you're right. <laughs> I don't know how he could be that daft, but whatever. Yeah, it's it's strange. <laughs> uh, anyway, keep going. Yeah, so more about Kaguya. Um, the media club girls that are when they're you know they're interviewing Kaguya in this volume, they they kind of seem to think that Kaguya you know she descended from the heavens and you know oh. they they like worship her and all that, which. I feel it could be a, a possible nod to the tale of the bamboo cutter again, where you know mm-hmm. Princess Kaguya came to Earth from the moon. Um, yeah. So you know, not not exactly the same, but like I feel like it could could be a little nod to that. And there was another little part which sort of could be viewed as that as well in the volume where Miyuki's dad gives Miyuki his old watch, um, the moon watch, mm. and he tells Miyuki that. Uh, it belongs to someone who's trying to reach for the moon, uh, which I th- which made me think of the moon viewing chapter where where Miyuki told Kaguya that if he was the guy from the from the old folktale, the one who got the immortality elixir and all that, that he would take it and he would go above and beyond to you know to wait for Kaguya or to, to get her back uh, from the moon. It made me think of that. I don't know if that was what it was intended to kind of revoke those kinds of hmm. thoughts, but it did for me anyway, and I thought that was... Oh, I, I, I like that. Yeah, I think... I think anytime you bring up the moon um, <laughs> in this manga, it's going to be some sort of correlate, or at least the reader is going to think, oh, is there going to be Princess Kaguya a relation to that? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, do you got anything more on Kaguya? I, I like how she gets, she's, at first she's pretty kind of cold to that whole uh, tale of the of the heart, <laughs> yes. like the reason behind the, the heart keychain or whatever. She's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then, but then, but then uh, uh, Tsubame explains that it's, it, it, you know, if you give it to someone you like, it means they're supposed to be destined forever or whatever she says. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It must be true. <laughs> Yeah, that was such a good moment. Yeah, it's a good moment for her, but she wasn't interested in the story itself until there was some sort of legend about romance. Then it became interesting. Yeah. Um. So anyway, 
I guess it just shows how love crazy she is right now. Right, right. And I, I think it kind of shows how emotional she actually is. Like, she has, like, this cold and kind of practical uh, outside, sort of, or kind of exterior. Mm-hmm. But really, on, on the inside, she is very emotional. And, you know, it, 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 it was very obvious when she, you know, her phone broke and she lost all those those pictures like i think that showed it really well but this kind of was a different thing but kind of similar also kind of showed kind of that that she she does have that kind of excitement over Mm -hmm. the superstitious kind of things and yeah it's it's nice i guess it is kind of sentimental in a way uh even though like she hasn't given it to him but still it there is something something about it that I guess appeals to her in that way. Right. And I thought it was so funny that, you know, obviously it is very superstitious or like, you know, that that whole mm-hmm. legend and the um, things that people say about it. But still Kaguya went so like she she gave it so much thought like, "Oh, how how am I going to go about this like to give Miyuki a heart without him noticing <laughs> that it's a heart?" <laughs> <laughs> uh I I, uh, I I thought that was funny because like, I mean, obviously she, she's not that dumb to actually actually believe in it. But I think mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Somehow I could still see that it, you know it sort of it sort of makes sense for her to still do what she does. And, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? I think it may be just something that any chance I can get, I'm gonna take. Right. Getting <laughs> us together, kind of, kind of a thing. Yeah. Even if she believes it or not, which I I think at this point she's fooled herself into believing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> the one last thing I'll say about uh, Kaguya is we kind of. It's not our first chan- our first look, but it's, I think, the longest look we've had of Ice Princess Kaguya um, oh, yeah. before it, her, she and, and Miyuki really knew each other. She jumps in to save a fellow classmate, and she was non-hesitant. She did it automatically, mm. um, when, especially when no one else would. Um, although, I don't know how much time she gave everybody else either, but... She she kind of she claims that it's go no one else was going to do it. Yeah, I mean, and it looked it looked like no one else was going to do it because like the other students there, like not not talking about Miyuki because he couldn't mm-hmm. swim, but the others. True. Who, well, I guess we can assume that the others could swim, maybe, because uh, I guess mm-hmm. most people probably can. But but anyway, um, they they were like using these really bad excuses not to jump in, it's like I, I don't remember them off the top of my head now, but like they used really bad excuses not to jump in. Like, they were actually, like, kind of deliberating about, like, talking about it instead of taking action. I guess there would have been a hesitation then. I think, yeah, definitely. For some reason, I didn't put that together. You're right. Yeah. Mm. So, so I guess it just it shows how uh, calm of a thinker she is. And mm. she can assess the situation quickly rather than um, worry about all these little things. So, yeah, that's a good sign of her character. And it shows that even the Ice Princess Kaguya was... A good person and someone who had a good heart even if they were cold or maybe even manipulative um yeah. in in certain aspects of their life but that's you know that's just she know me away yeah although she did tell hayasaka that she only did it to you know be able to kind of have some leverage over this person potentially in the future if she needed it which i personally first of all i 
I'm not sure if it was 100% that, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to believe that she did it also out of goodness, but it's hard to say exactly because we know how like harsh of a background she comes from. So I do think it's, it's possible that she was entirely honest in her response to I, but at the same time, I kind of, I kind of want there to be a little bit of goodness in there as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's half and half. I, I mean, maybe more one side than the other, but uh. still, I think there's a practical reason to do it. It's to get her on, you know, kind of gain people's favor and hmm. potentially use her for later, but also the more uh, maybe humane and kind side to it, you know, save someone's life. So it's, yeah. uh, I, I think it, I think it, and I'm not saying you, you were saying this either, but I think it's uh, on on point for a character at the time. Um, it shows that she is a Shinomiya, but at the same time, she's the deep down the kind-hearted Kaguya that just doesn't get to show that side side of her um, because of her upbringing. I think right, which makes sense. Yeah. I'm probably leaning toward it being just a very small bit of actual like genuine kindness in that personally just because i want to still believe that it wasn't until after she got to know miyuki that she started seeing like the good in the world kind of hmm. um not saying it was no kindness at all but i just think there was just a very small bit in that instance it's my yeah speculation i can see that i i guess i'm kind of I, maybe i'm a little more optimistic i think <laughs> maybe she would have had a little more kindness in just a little bit but uh, I do agree with you that there's probably more of the, you know, I can use her for later or mm. the practical side to it. Yeah, probably. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's it for Kaguya Shinomiya. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. All right, then let's talk about Miyuki Shirogane. He straight up is able to ask Kaguya to do cosplay for him. <laughs> I loved that. And, you know, in that chapter, like his bluntness throughout, throughout it kind of reminded me of his dad <laughs> oh really uh like just how kind of just straight on he was with everything he said obviously he true he was still kind of having a hard time acting that way we learned like he was he was getting a little bit flustered even though he didn't show it mm -hmm. uh but j yeah just like the straightforwardness and the bluntness it reminded me a lot of his dad <laughs> yeah for, yeah for sure i mean well, I say for sure, but I, I, I guess I didn't really think about it. But now that you bring it up, yeah, I, mm. I, I, I could see that. Um, I'm, I'm sure he took after his dad when it comes to being, you know, blunt and honest in, in, that, yeah. in that case. But I, I, I love how honest he has become in this situation where he says, yes, I want to see you in cosplay. Or, you know, I guess even kind of possessive in one <laughs> instance where he's, he's like, no, no, that outfit is no way too short. Don't but, all, do that. but you know, he's also looking out for her at the same time. Yeah, yeah, so, that's and, important to note. Yeah, and, and it was funny because we saw like a very brief flashback in a previous volume where he said the same thing basically to, to his little sister. Uh, yeah, it's that's true. That's true. And you know, he was also just looking out for her. Mm-hmm. And I think the the other thing that's nice about the honest Miyuki is, uh, it kind of gets the ball rolling <laughs> uh, yeah because because like i was saying before kaguya was still wanting to play these games 
you know, or is at least still expecting to. But with Miyuki going on the offensive or being willing to say how he really feels, it, it starts putting, it, it's turning the gears in Kaguya's mind. is like realizing, oh, wait, he's actually starting to express his feelings for me in, in certain ways. Mm. Maybe I should start as well. Right, so, exactly. And, yeah. You know, I guess in a way, having this set goal uh, of confessing at or before, after, whatever, the student ca- or the um, festival. At the end of it, I think, is what he said. In the end of it, mm. it, it is proving to be very beneficial for their relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and... Um, I think. Yeah, dude, I, I agree completely. I, I think... I, I agree exactly with everything you said. Like, he kind of set it all in motion to kind of speed up the process a little bit, which they both really need. <laughs> right. Um, but in the last chapter of this volume, we talked about it from Kage's perspective earlier, the flashback chapter. Uh, mm. it's, it, it is mostly a Miyuki chapter, of course. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I thought it was it was nice to see, to get that kind of little bit of a background for him, uh, you know, especially for him. And, you know, we, and we learned, like, just how bad of a time he had at school when he was new at Shuchin. And we get to see the moment when he is first kind of infatuated with Kaguya. And, you know, I, he was really... Uh, he reminded me a bit of you back then. Mm-hmm. Like, just how kind of negative he was about everything. I mean, understandably, you know, obviously he wasn't having a good time at school, so I, I understand that he was the way he was, but... Of course. But, yeah, it, it was interesting. And then, you know, we got to meet the previous student council president. Yeah. We didn't get a name. We didn't get a name, yeah, which was a bit surprising to me. Um, But, yeah, uh, about that guy, I feel like... Maybe that guy is sort of a like like he became sort of a role model for Miyuki. Uh, is a thought that I had because he kind mm-hmm. of had the same kind of kind of energy and willingness to to help uh, like people. Because like, he kind of so, he sort of saved Miyuki in a similar way that Miyuki saved you by recruiting yeah. him to the student council and all that. He seemed like a genuinely nice guy, and yeah, I feel like Miyuki may have wanted to kind of aspire to be more like him. I agree. And yeah, the the previous student council president, it seems like he's going to return in summer, which mm-hmm. is like a long, long time ahead now. Unless, because un, it's like early December now, I think, or mid-December, probably like mm-hmm. mid-December. So it's like half a year from now, in, in, in like the time of the manga, is, is when it will be summer again. But, I was also thinking that maybe there's going to be another flashback chapter that's going to take place in summer. So it could be something like that. It could be. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's fun. Like at this point in the story, we're you know we're closing in. We're starting to closing uh, to close in on you know where I stopped reading, volume sixteen. Mm. So we're you know there there's more and more stuff that I don't actually know about, which is nice. For example, this thing like this ex- the previous student council president mm-hmm. he's going to return in summer somehow and i'm like I, I i i know as much as you do about that well there you go so i i enjoy that <laughs> i i like just this moment for miyuki in general how he suddenly has a goal and right. that kind of lights the fire in him to become the number one student in his class mm-hmm. uh and y- you like that you like to see that progress and determination it happens all in the space of you know what 
10, 15 minutes maybe <laughs> right. uh, in this in, in real world time. But it's uh, it's really neat to see where his inspiration came from. Um, and yeah, I like I like that. And I, I hope we get to see more of how they Kaguya and him got to interact um, whether it be in flashbacks or well it, it could only be in flashbacks but um, <laughs> I guess like meaning if the student council president is going to be there or not but right it'll be interesting to see I agree I agree I think I think there's still interesting stuff that could be explored in their past mm-hmm. definitely especially since the story when it started they had already been together at the student council for half a year Right. At least that. Uh, right. Which I mean, is, yeah. When the story started, they, they were both of the opinion that they wouldn't mind if the other person confessed to them. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I would like to see eventually how they got to that point. Yeah. Um, because like Kaguya said, he sees or she sees Miyuki and how kind he is, genuinely kind. So it makes me wonder what she saw him do that made her think that right um, I, mean, I, I mean i don't think it was necessarily one instance mm-hmm. uh, that there could be one major one right but you know what were some of the things she saw Would yeah be cool to see. definitely definitely so moving on one thing we learned about miyuki is he has terrible fashion sense <laughs> he's you know stuck in middle school phase he is and <laughs> having lived in japan um in 2010, 2012. Well, I mean, I lived longer than that, but mm. that was when I was around a, a lot of people. And I, I noticed the, the, this kind of fashion sense where you wear T-shirts that have garbage garbage English on them. Okay, so, like, it's, no, so, it's, so it's real. No sense. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, complete, completely real. It's, it's this weird fashion statement. Wow. And, the yeah, the shirts that that have these long sleeves sewn into the short sleeves. Yeah, that's a thing. I mean, I, I had I had one or two shirts like that when I was a kid. What? Yeah, when, when, I, when I was like in like... I guess it was uh, a thing in middle school. I, yeah, I mean, I had it before middle school. When I was, I was, oh. like, I was younger than middle school age. I had like okay. one or two shirts like that. <laughs> so like... I, 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 I got a little bit of a kick out of seeing that here <laughs> just because of that. <laughs> Uh, well, mm. I never had anything like that. Uh, <laughs> maybe I was, maybe I wasn't fashionable as a child. Oh yeah, um, that that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> um, no, so yeah, and then the the weird belts and, and chains and yeah, it's just uh-huh. it's it, it's a certain fa- fashion style that was popular ish at a certain point, but you know it's very tacky and hmm. whatnot. And it's interesting how they explain it in that he never had time to wear regular clothes, so he just started wearing what he he did before. So it's it's kind of kind of hilarious. Yeah. And sad. Right. Yeah. And like he didn't have uh, you know the economy to buy new clothes, and he he wanted his sister to give her. He wanted to give her the m- yeah. more of a chance to have nice clothes and stuff. So yeah, it is it is definitely a bit sad. And so, like, it's understandable. Like, he says he hasn't, like, bought any new clothes in, like, several years. Mm-hmm. But it was nice that, you know, he got to buy some new ones now, which, honestly, he, he looked good in them. 
dude, he's rocking it. And yeah. and the fanny pack thing. Oh well, it's a shoulder pack. It's no, it's real. It's real. At least yeah, I've heard I of think that. It, I I think it's still a thing. I I haven't been since 2015, so I don't uh-huh. entirely know all of the up and coming trends. But um, at least when I was there, yeah, the the shoulder packs were huge, like very big. Uh-huh. Not 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 so here in America. I don't know about I don't know about Europe. Uh, I mean, they, they they've been a, they've been a thing here in Sweden. Uh, maybe not as much right now, but at least a couple of years back, they they were absolutely. Uh, hmm. and, but but I, I I saw people wearing them in all sorts of ways. So uh, yeah, I don't know. But 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 I, I had heard about like certain ways are cooler than other ways and stuff like that. <laughs> I was never too invested in it though. <laughs> uh, I got anything more on Miyuki? No, I think I. Oh well, actually, one more thing. All right. We touched we touched on it with Kaguya how he was able to show his weakness to the one he loved. Right. I mean, he was kind of in a, in a position where he had no choice, but I like how he, again, he's being honest mm. and he's willing to show that that side of himself. And that's, yeah, that's some great progress, I think, because if you're going to have a good relationship built on trust, you got to be willing to show the side to, side to yourself that maybe you're not entirely proud of or um you're not confident in and if the person if the person other person loves you then it's not gonna really matter as long as right. you're trying to be better and uh-huh. whatnot so yes and i agree 100 percent. and i think that's a really it's really awesome that akasaka kind of also goes in that direction with the romance uh, mm-hmm. in this story and is able to you know focus on having his characters show each other their bad sides as well. Yeah. Really, really like that. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Chika Fujiwara. I have very little to say about her, but um, do you want to start? Okay. So something that I had been kind of teasing, not teasing, I had been thinking about in the back of my head for a while now was would Chika eventually develop feelings for Miyuki? Hmm. And I... We've seen that she doesn't like anybody right now, and I and I knew that. I I could, I could tell that was a thing. That that didn't, never surprised me. But I I felt that Akasaka was potentially putting a conundrum for her that maybe she would grow feelings for for Miyuki. Yeah. Um, get to this volume, and it starts off completely where she's like, no, uh, there's no, I don't, I don't see you as a, a man or whatever she says. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to that real quick. So. I don't misquote right. her. Oh, I'd rather die oh. <laughs> is what she says. Yes. As a yeah, uh, how how yeah he asks how she sees him as a romantic interest and she says I'd rather die. So at that point I was like, well, okay, there goes all my theories and speculations. I guess I don't know. I guess I don't know what he was what he was trying to set up. If anything, I guess it was just all this for this kind of joke um, that it was more of a mother and problem child kind of thing, which <laughs> it really has been. So I, I, I don't blame it. And mm. then, and then we, we get the part where she describes what her perfect male is. Right. And it's basically Miyuki. And she's like, Oh crap. Oh, I, I gotta be careful. And I was like, aha, Akasaka. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were a man of culture. Or I, I knew, I knew we were of the same bra- wavelengths. Um, now I'm not saying like this is gonna be a ship or gonna be a thing. Uh-huh. I don't I don't ship it. I ship Miyuki and Kaguya together. But 
I do think this has the potential to become so sort of drama thing, maybe, where mm. Chica does develop romantic feelings for Miyuki uh-huh. in some way. Yeah, um, it definitely seems like it. It's it's potentially hinting at like something like that, like progressing, mm-hmm. uh, which would be so, like ah, uh, I I don't know what I would think about that. Like a love triangle between these characters would be difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it would be heartbreaking for her. There is there is one way he can go about it. Is he just makes it comedic, and. But even then, even if it is comedic, she'd eventually have to accept the fact that hmm. her her feelings never be requited. So, yeah, I guess, I guess it would end up in sadness. But I think the way this manga is going, I don't think it would be too much of a drama-intense love triangle. Yeah. At least I, I don't think it would be like that. I think, I think that, like I said, Chica will potentially develop those feelings Uh um but how she goes about it is um i don't know i guess it's kind of up in the air and knowing chica i i wouldn't be surprised it's surprised if it's a little unexpected right yeah uh it's really hard to say uh i'm also interested in seeing how and if this is going to progress into something like that do you think that even if it's not miyuki do you think chica will get any gain any sort of love interest as the story goes on. I mean, right now I can't really think of anybody except potentially Ishigami, but even then there he has other potential or other candidates. Right. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, out of the out of the, I mean, assuming Chika is heterosexual, I Oh, true. Can true. think of any character that already exists in the story that she would go for? Uh-huh. I don't think i mean or well other than potentially miyuki as we talked about i guess but but i I don't see that ever becoming like a floating ship Mm -hmm. Mm. so and i don't know just with her personality i sort of have a hard time seeing her in a serious relationship even though with anybody (laughs) sort of but i want i would like to see it i think you know at least she definitely has the wants for, or the desires for romance. True, and if it if if she finds someone and she's happy in like with mm-hmm. with someone, then I I would be all about that. But right now I don't don't think there's anyone for her because Miyuki he, he belongs to Kaguya, and and of course it, and it's not going to be you. Uh, no, and it's not going to be Tsubasa because <laughs> 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 he already has two girls. Um, yeah, that are interested yeah. in it. So yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess my question wasn't uh, wasn't meant so much like anybody right now per se, um, but just in general. Do you think by the end, um, excluding you know fast forwards in time or whatever, yeah. uh, do you think there could be any sort of love interest for her, or do you think she'll just kind of remain the comedic? Uh, romance obsessed but never or always a a maid but never bride is that how the phrase goes maybe Um, uh i i hope she finds someone and i think i'm leading that she will as well okay i I absolutely hope though and i also sort of think that she will uh I'm, i'm holding out hope for you know new characters to be introduced 
True. Um, so that maybe someone that's up her alley. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that's my number one hope. I do think we could get that, again, the storyline where she does have a feelings for uh, Yuki. Um, <laughs> then again, that could be just um, Akasaka just plain clown or whatever. Maybe, yeah. Um, but I do think that eventually she would get some sort of love interest. I think. Yeah, I definitely hope so. Especially with how popular she is with the you know peoples mm-hmm. yeah yeah and more about chica we saw her playing guitar which i thought was very nice as a guitarist myself and actually the guitar that she's playing on in that chapter looks very much like a guitar that i have oh really yeah uh it was like my, my very first guitar that i got when i was quite young looks basically identical to the one she was playing on so i thought that was pretty funny so electric guitar and everything oh nice yeah but I, i'm actually gonna sell it because i never play oh. it it's like it's just collecting dust at this point i have other guitars that i rather play on anyway <laughs> it was cool to see her with a guitar <laughs> it just shows how much of a musical prodigy she is mm. and it makes I, I guess you know even even prodigies don't necessarily have to you go to school to become even a greater prodigy they can just Maybe they just do things for fun. And I guess that's what Chica wants to do. At yeah. least that's what she implied last volume. So Yeah, I like that. And we learn, well, it was teased in that in the chapter where she was playing guitar. The balloon chapter was teased briefly, <laughs> which ha- happened to come later in the same volume. And another thing that was, that was teased is the ballroom dancing episode, which... I don't know anything about. And this is another example of me just being so happy that we're closing in on where I stopped reading because this mm-hmm. is another example of something that I, I know as little about as you do. Uh, so I wonder what that's going to be about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm excited excited to see how that goes. Definitely. I, I mean, I always do enjoy those uh, <laughs> teaching moments. They're pretty great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything more on Chica? She talks a big game. Uh, you got like the whole wrestling, arm wrestling thing. Uh, She's like, yeah, I'm pretty strong. You know, I, I, you know, I work <laughs> out, and you know, she she's barely stronger, or well, not even stronger than Ishigami. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, she's so funny that way. And let me just say, as kind of a ending summary for all my thoughts leading up to this moment mm-hmm. is I, I've i noticed that now that I've accepted Chica is not really going to get much character development mm-hmm. um, aside from you know learning new things here and all the comedic things she goes through uh, I, I'm enjoying her more as a character I mean, I'm enjoying her as I did when I was watching the anime for the first time where she was just this cute bubbly kind of devious character yeah but like like we said before i i had started kind of expecting the development that uh all these other characters are getting like hayasaka and ishigami and everything that chica would get that kind of turn but i you know i don't know if we'll ever get it and and so going to this volume i just kind of said okay you know what i'm just gonna enjoy chica for the comedy person she is and for the for the fluff uh, cuteness she and and devious 
little thing she is and um, just enjoy it. And you know what? I think I have enjoyed her more because of that. <laughs> good. At least, yeah, that that's good. At the same time, though, I'm also, I'm really holding out hope for, you know, more focus on her. Like, like something more serious for her. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know when the, the right time for that is, but it's something that I definitely want, especially since everyone except for her at this point have mm-hmm. gotten that in, in some way. I would love it. I, I really would. Uh-huh. Um Maybe I'm giving up too soon. But no, I mean, you, you're <laughs> I'm probably throwing in the towel. <laughs> it's probably good of you, I think, though, to. Uh, well, it, it's smart not to expect too much right now. I guess. True. I mean, evidently with this volume, you made the right call. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Set my uh, expectations in check, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, is that it for Chica? Yeah, that's it for Chica. All right, then let's move on to Yu Ishigami. He's uh, looking out for Miko in the background in one of the panels because he knows just how gullible she is. You know, after <laughs> after Chica tells the tells them that you know when she was at the other school culture festival that there were guys hitting on her, and me mm-hmm. and you know and you just tells Miko to, well, like basically that she shouldn't go. Yeah, right. Uh, totally. Because he kind of knows that. Yeah, if she goes there, God knows what's gonna happen. Like mm-hmm. it, she's gonna be kind of flattered by the compliments and stuff very easily very easily so it, it, who, it's, knows, who knows what happened <laughs> yeah so it's a nice nice thing to see again uh you know him looking out for her and of course she doesn't understand it but oh yeah of course i i do like that gimmick though <laughs> of course uh another another thing i like about ishigami i guess it's kind of a comedic thing but hmm. he he really uh is taking the uh, nerd, uh, how how do I want to put this? With with Su- with, with Subama, he's trying. He's basically trying to simp for her, um, <laughs> and making sure that all the other guys don't get that chance to all the other uh, simps. appeal to her. All the other simps don't yeah. get that chance. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Uh, yeah, he's just shooting all of them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also at the meeting there. Uh, like at the beginning of it, he was like just as hyped up as everyone else was. Yeah. Uh, that was so fun to see. <laughs> like sort of unexpected, but also kind of makes sense when you when you saw it. It's like ah yeah, sweet. He went through an arc recently, right? Uh, and and right. he knows he knows some of these people since before and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's it was really nice to see that him being able to just let loose. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But I also like in that in that same chapter with Maki, he offers to help her like he's done. Miko. Well, Miko, did I say Maki? Miko. Yeah. Uh, it's the M's. Um, yeah. The he he offered to help her with the public speak or you know speaking in front of people, but um, obviously she says no. Um, anyway, just it's good to see that he's still looking out for her, which is probably redundant, but whatever. Right, no, but it's it's true. It's true. Uh, do you have anything more on you? I do not. Me neither. That was, oh, that, that was a short one, this this volume. But let me keep talking a little bit about that scene. And now it's time to talk about Miko Ino. So in that chapter, which, first of all, I love that chapter. Um, Miko Ino can't love part one. Mm-hmm. I don't know why it made makes me so emotional. Like... For some reason, that was the chapter where I was like, 
I was crying. Like, I was shedding a bunch of tears, like, just reading that earlier today. And I, I just, I don't know, got a little bit annoyed with myself, just because it's like, it's not even that emotional of a chapter. Um, but, you know, it starts off with, you know, the imagery of the bonfire and Miko as a, as a kid. And then later on in the volume, when the bonfire is brought up at the meeting, we just see immediately how happy she is to talk about it and to, to kind of fight for, for that. Right. Right. Uh, I, maybe that's what makes me so emotional, just to see that dream of hers or her fighting for that so hard. I don't know. But um, speaking of what we talked about earlier, when Miko, the first time when everyone's looking at, at her and she freezes up and, you know, she doesn't know how to continue her, you know, to speak in front of the others. The first time that happens, because it happens two times in the in, in that chapter. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the first time she looks at you for help, kind of like it's clear that she looks to him, but he's, you know, kind of distracted by Tsubame. And, and she's like, ah, big help you are. Like she, she's kind of, she, she was kind of expecting him to sort of help her out there, but she didn't get that help. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I thought that like just that little hint. I mean, it's sad that she didn't get the help that she sort of wanted in the moment, but it's also kind of a nice thing to see her in a way, well, she, she's relying on him in a way, and maybe this is subconscious, but it's, it seems to be something that she does at least, because it was definitely clear that she was looking to him for help at that moment. Um, and then the second time it happens when, you know, everyone's looking at her and she freezes up again, that time you does intervene, but in a way that kind of upsets Miko, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it did ultimately help her, though. You know, and she was able to to start talking again and and actually get a lot of things done thanks to that. It could be a tsundere moment where doomed if you do, doomed if you don't kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, where if he had offered to help um, before, then maybe that uh, she would have snapped at him either way. Although, to be fair, uh, saying, like, do you need some help with the relationship they kind of have can seem a little condescending. Um, even though I don't think Ishigami meant it in that way at all. So maybe the best course of action would, instead of saying need some help, would just been go into it. But at the same time, I think this is important for her to be able to do herself. Absolutely. Uh, and I think the way you said that, it came off as kind of snarky. So I, I don't blame Miko for reacting poorly to it. Okay. Like the, the use expression there is like need some help is like it doesn't seem too like kind. I feel like he's teasing a bit, um, but I mean it, it helped in the end. So I think it was it was ultimately good. But I I do love that though. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's nice to see her yeah looking to him for help and also being able to to get all of that done. Oh yeah, and also in in that chapter. Uh, at the beginning of it, when they, when they just got to the culture festival committee, uh, and everyone is like super hyper, including you, uh, but mm-hmm. but Miko is like, just like her reaction to all of that, just being like, kind of, what what is this? What is all this? Uh, reminded me of Yu's initial reaction to the cheerleading squad. So I thought I thought that was a nice little, yeah, little rhyme. Mm-hmm. Anything more on Miko? Um, I did have a thing where 
she's dreaming about her Prince Charming. And I guess we kind of, not unheard of for her, but she does basically come out and say like she has these ideal things. And none of them are shaved head, by the way. So, you yep. know, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand that. But whatever. Well, actually, speaking of that real, real quick, uh, I did uh-huh. give that some thought. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, Miko is like, what, 15 or 16. Mm. And I feel like that, that's an age where, like, most people are, well, we, we go through phases a lot around that age that sometimes don't last too long. And we're just in general yeah. trying to find ourselves, trying to figure out who we are exactly um, a lot of the time. And I, I, I could definitely see that shaved head thing just having been a face that she was in around the election period time, you know, uh, mm-hmm. potentially. Uh, so it's likely, and especially with, you know, a few cha- volumes ago when she was, you know, listening to hot guys uh, in her earbuds <laughs> and uh, on the image of it, you know, none, none, none of those guys were, you know, had shaved heads. And I, I imagine but with that in mind and also this, it's like, yeah, she... She probably isn't into it anymore, or at least not like at least not only that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that that's a good explanation. And to be fair, how many you know pop idol guys or you know the <laughs> the so-called attractive guys have shaved heads, especially True. in Japan? Uh-huh. Not too many. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing in, in the same chapter is she doesn't like Miyuki's face. Right. Is, uh, kind of a blow. <laughs> That's Ouch. right. Oh my god. <laughs> but you know, I mean, all Miyuki needs is Kaguya's love and admiration. Yeah, absolutely. So it uh, but it was still nice, though. Like, even though, yeah, she admitted to to Chika that she didn't like Miyuki's face, but uh, <laughs> she did tell Miyuki though that she understood by now that he had saved her during her election speech, and that yeah, she was yeah. she she respected him for that, and she was very grateful for that. So I thought that was very nice to see. Totally. I think that's all I have for her. All right, then. Do you have anything on Hayasaka? Because I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> uh, I mean, other than the fact that she encouraged Kaguya to match Miyuki's courage for, mm. uh, you know, courage for courage, you know, and, and kind of set, help set that up. True. Uh, besides that, nah, not nothing really. Yeah. She had, like, a lot of growth in the past two or three volumes so yeah it's okay that there's not too much here for her right yeah and i think anything really yeah yeah exactly this must have been the weakest hayasaka volume since like volume three or something (laughs) Uh, or volume two i don't know Um, but anyway um just so many characters there are and there were other sort of prominent characters that weren't too big in this one like uh, maki shijo was really only seen in one panel Wait, yeah, where was that? It was when... Oh, yeah, yeah. The balloon right, chapter. That's right, yeah. And, like, I, I didn't really understand her appearance in the balloon chapter, really. She just, she's just looking at them for, like, one panel, and I don't really understand why. Like, it just seemed kind of random to have her there. I'm even, I'm trying to find... Oh, there it is. Hmm. Hmm. Like, cause usually it's, like, there seems to be a reason for her to, to be in the background or, like, just kind of observing something. But here, it just, I don't get, I don't get the point. Maybe, I think it's supposed to be a joke where Miyuki says to Chika, 
are you trying to copy Kashiwagi's mannerisms? And maybe Maki thinks he was saying that to her because she's secretly trying to do that <laughs> in order to uh... get Basa. I'm 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 stretching things, man. Well, I mean, I've I'm not I I you know I I've I've, been, I've stretched things before. I know what it's like, and I, I I could maybe buy that. I mean, it's better than no explanation at all. <laughs> yeah. Nice work stretching. <laughs> <laughs> I almost as good as Yuki stretches those balloons, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I guess Nagisa Kashiwagi. I didn't take any notes for her. She, well, she was at least bigger than. Uh, Hayasaka or Maki were, but mm-hmm. do you have anything on her? No, not really, other than she's she's very willing to help, and yeah. she's kind of always been like that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and I think in recent um, volumes, maybe I've given her too much shit. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't dislike her. I actually really don't. I think she's cool. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, <laughs> but to be fair, she yeah there was there were some things I could see why it would she would rub it the wrong way, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, but yes. Um, next up, I want to talk about Ray Onodera. Oh, okay. A little bit. All right, we're going there. All right. Uh, she really wants a bonfire, just like Miko. We learn at the end of mm-hmm. that chapter, which I thought was just really sweet. Uh. I kind of get the impression of her, like, she is actually, like, a really warm and and positive person, but just kind of her, the way she comes off can often, like, initially be a bit uh, harsh, perhaps, like, just at, at first glance, but really, she's not like that once you get to know her or once she, once she starts talking more, uh, is at least how I've kind of perceived her. Mm-hmm. I can I can agree with that. And I go as far as to say she maybe doesn't open up to, well, maybe that's not right. Because she kind of, I felt that she was a little bit, she was a little cold towards Ishigami towards the beginning, but then she saw how he was kind of fitting in with the group and, you know, she ended up trying to kind of just treating him like normal after that. Hmm. Um, So I don't know if that's the same with Amiko here, but... She does kind of treat her a little coldly, but as she sees her efforts, I think that kind of makes Onodera want to open up right. a little more as well, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think I think absolutely. And I mean, the amount of effort Miko puts into this because she is so oh, yeah. passionate about it. I think, like you know, most people would respect her for that. Uh, but I, you know, I I think, yeah, I I enjoyed that part uh, and seeing Ray. Well, we see that she shares that same desire as Miko does. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of that chapter, well, kind of like the between chapters page, you found the, the note with the request for a bonfire on it, and he recognized the handwriting. I think, you know, it's probably supposed to be Miko's, but I could also see it being Rei having written that note, just yeah, based, based on the fact that she was also so happy about doing the bonfire. You know, I didn't, I didn't think about that because I, I immediately thought it was uh, Miko. Right. But think about it. She was kind of surprised when that note got brought up. Uh, Miko was, right? That could be surprised. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 
So based on that, I think I think you're the 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 idea it could be Onodetta is very real. I, that's mm. a good that's a good catch. <laughs> yeah, and actually with with your addition to it, I think it it's more likely. Yeah. Nice. Of course, we just end up being Miko in the end, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's the obvious one. Uh, but like, I, I thought of both as as potential candidates for that because, well, obviously, you know Miko's handwriting because they work together at the student council, uh, and he would probably maybe also know Onodera's handwriting because they are in the same class. Hmm. So both make sense. But but yeah, I, yeah. I, I like to think it's it's uh, Ray now who wrote that. <laughs> cool, cool. Kobachi Osaragi appeared. I don't have any, any notes for her, though. No. Keishirogane. Oh, yeah. She had, like, a whole chapter. Yeah. Uh, and, like, what I really loved about her in that chapter was basically the very end where, you know, we learned that she, she is secretly really proud to show mm. off her brother to her friends mm-hmm. and, you know, at her school. Uh, but, of course, you know, uh, she will never admit that. But, <laughs> of course not. But it was really, it was really sweet. That, Too prideful. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that smile on at the end page there is right. Really, yeah, really nice. <laughs> I like it. Totally. Anything more on her? No, but can we talk about her crazy friend real quick? Uh, yes, Moiha Fujiwara. <laughs> Moiha. Uh, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, Miyuki, watch out. Yeah. You, you know, you you may want to hire a bodyguard. Uh, you, don't, you don't know what's gonna happen. No, uh, this is inter- this is interesting. I did not expect there to be um, this little kind of um, puppy love. Is that what they call it? Where you know this, if, um, where Moya falls for Miyuki. Right. Um, I mean, it, it makes sense. I you know, there's always the thing where. Uh, Girl, uh, girlfriends always fall in love for the older not always but sometimes they'll <laughs> fall in love with the um, older sibling of someone right oh they're so cool they're in high school or something like that uh-huh. um, so I you know I think it'd be really funny to see that kind of play out in some way at least yeah. me, I, I don't expect it to go anywhere but it, it could be really funny absolutely I, this is well a few volumes back when Kay found her brother, you know, pulling petals off of a flower, uh, you know, she loves me, she loves me not, me not. When and she understood that he's in love with someone, but she was never, never able to figure out who it was. In like the between chapters page after that chapter, she was like glaring at Moha. And when we talked about that, you just kind of, well, and and, and it made sense that you. I I thought that, I still yeah, think she, it's she, just Chica. She suspected Chica. But after this, you know, what if she no. even suspected Moeha? I I, <laughs> I they never met. So they they probably this. have met. You know, not on page, but I don't know. It's if, don't know his if... little sister's best friend. I'm sure they've met. Uh, she seemed she seemed like she had just saw him for the first time though. I I think she, this was just the first time she saw him wearing clothes like that. Is my take. Yeah, I mean that's fair. And I mean maybe 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 they haven't seen each other in a while. You know, it's maybe it's been several months or a year. I don't know. I don't know. They they just seem like oh wait your brother's the student council president. What? No way. And I don't know. They they seem like they didn't know him at all. But anyway, I I won't 
it's point. It's there's no point in arguing over it. It it, it could very you, you could be right. I do think that she was looking at her back back in that chapter, was kind of looking at her, um, thinking, hmm, if Miyuki likes Chika, then she'll be, then they'll both they'll both be my stepsisters. Hmm, <laughs> kind, of, kind of a thing. Yeah, or sisters-in-law, right? Sisters-in-law, yeah, mm, that's the mm. better, the correct word. <laughs> right. I don't. Yeah. I don't know English. You know this. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. English is hard. And what else? Karen Kino and Erika Kose, the media club members. Oh, okay. They worship Kaguya. We touched mm-hmm. on that a little bit. Uh, and they also worship, sort of worship, some other girls at the school, uh, which I thought was funny. Uh, Tsubame Koyasu is one of them. And there is, and you probably read it as well, there's a little um, spin-off series focused on these two characters. Yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't uh, read it yet. I haven't read the that series either. And it's, uh, like, I, I, I question how, how much canon it is since oh, yeah, it is written by and, and illustrated by somebody else. And, 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 you know, it doesn't focus on the main cast anyway. This chapter kind of felt filler in a way. Um, especially with that advertisement at the end. Yeah, I yeah. think there was some there was some uh, interesting things brought up, and I'm glad we got to. I I I enjoyed it, but it did feel like it w- was kind of a step away from the story and even just the normal hijinks. And oh, here are these two new characters. Hey, they're gonna have a spinoff thing. You know, maybe you'll. <laughs> Although, are these characters new? Were they in the first few volumes? Like, I, you remember I think, when? I think so. Oh, okay, so you you remember when there was the magazine and then the principal, whatever they call him, told them, "Hey, be like Miyuki and Kaguya." Do you remember? Do you remember that they were like on a park yeah. bench or whatever? Yeah, I remember that. that. Is that is that them? I don't know if that's them, but I think it's them in like the very beginning, where at least at least the blonde girl is in like the first few pages of the first volume, uh, as one of the girls that are just kind of looking at. Miyuki and Kaguya as they're walking down the hall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's definitely one of those girls there. And yeah, it's actually both of them. Both of them are there. And like gotcha. the, the first few pages of the first volume. So they've been they've been around since the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, so I it, it is nice to see them come back in this way, I guess. Yeah, totally. And uh and they mention the name of a girl, uh Koromo Shiranui. Uh, who is apparently like the Kaguya or Tsubame of the first year students, at least according to them. Like, because oh. they have like one girl from in each year that they kind of worship, it seems. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they interview Kaguya and Tsubame, but we never get to see Koromo Shiranui. And I don't know who that is, uh, but I just thought I'd mention it because maybe it's someone that might become relevant in the future, potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I really don't know. Yeah. I think it potentially could be, or or maybe maybe it is just like a name drop in, yeah. in the sense that. Uh, we have we have one girl in each class that we admire, so we got to put someone there, I guess. Okay, yeah. A couple of things. I. It seems like, Karen likes, Miyuki, but Erika, kind of, seems a little lukewarm on him, or the very least. Huh. Karen is very, very much head over, or has like a huge crush on him, and uh, Erika is the one that 
talks <laughs> for them and seems uh, kind of like cool-minded. Right. Yeah, you might be right about that. <laughs> but when it when it's Tsubame, Tsubame, I think I think Erika is a little more into Tsubame than Karen. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to remember because we never see them. Yeah, and, and and these two both have names that sound Western. They do. I'll release they do. their first names. I, I, I really want to say Erica and Karen. Right. <laughs> but I, I'm anyway. sure it's intentional that these two have names that could work very well as Western names as well. You know? <laughs> you're probably you're probably right. <laughs> well, you know, Erica is definitely one that uh, became popular in Japan after. Well, I don't know if it's popular now, but mm-hmm. anyway. Um, yeah, so that's just interesting kind of dynamic that they have. And I don't know if they'll come back maybe they will maybe they'll be around for the school festival yeah but maybe i wouldn't mind it <laughs> yeah for sure and especially since they are su- such i guess old characters technically even though they haven't appeared much <laughs> uh they are yeah. still like among the very first fa- faces we see uh so it, it's cool just in that way i think um but yes moving on to at least the last character that i have noted down tsubame koyasu and i don't have much on her yeah. but you know, we learned that, you know, she she leads the culture festival committee and she does rhythmic gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> she she just does everything. I mean, not everything, but she she does a lot. And I guess it shows in her personality. Um, she seems like a very genuine, kind, honest person. And because of that, I'm sure she gets a lot of I mean, as we've seen a lot of guys and people coming to her, <laughs> very, you know, wanted to get fr- more than friends with her. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Um, but she enjoys staying active. Like the yeah. she, she kind of likes staying busy, sort of. It it seems like, uh, and especially especially if it's like these fun activities, like she gives it all to like the the culture festival and all that. Right. I I really, I really admire that in her. Mm-hmm. And she does. She like we said before. She is the one who tells Kaguya of the the heart story which yeah we'll potentially have have more on later on i think i think so uh and of course she's the face of the volume this time oh that's true so that's that's nice she's very cute there so so many cute girls (laughs) yeah yeah um all right then i guess next up is the comedy I think the first three cha- I mean, th- there's so much comedy in this volume, but I think the first three chapters have some of the great, er, ha- well, some of the best uh, comedy moments in the entire volume. Uh-huh. Like the burn session on Miyuki, oh gosh, dying. <laughs> so good. I mean, Chica you know, is so into I, it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah, let's go, come on. Okay, Kaguya, your turn. You can- yeah. Oh, no, you don't, you're, don't tell him, like, you know, little lies or whatever. You got to be real. <laughs> Talk to him straight or whatever. Chica. <laughs> Uh, oh. But then the this even I think before then the school festival part where they're trying to get invite invite each other to the other school's festival, but you know it keeps falling through. They have that misunderstanding. Mm. Um, I I guess maybe that's kind of typical stuff that they've done before. But the, we also had the tension that they've seemed pretty sincere that they want to confess to each other or they want to go on a date with each other so exactly. not being able to reach that and all the different ways it goes it falls apart um <laughs> was hilarious to me yeah 
man. Yeah, and like have all of the other three student council member members come into the room and just ruin everything each time. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, really funny. It was great. Uh, my, I think my favorite comedic bit in this volume was when Miyuki asks Miko how she feels about him as a man and if she has any romantic interest in him and then chica comes in and he, a- he asks he asks her too <laughs> and that oh my god well it's also the it's also the text the text where she immediately says oh my gosh he confessed to me and yes. then right after that oh he's a man whore <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so good uh, it's on point for the characters too it's oh, i loved it so oh much. so true and so true uh and also in that chapter when chica says to miyuki you're like food that tastes worse the more you chew it. Oh, uh, gosh. And, like, good, good of Mika to stop Chika, like, from continuing that rant. But, damn, Chika mm-hmm. was destroying him. Dude. Maybe she's practicing <laughs> rap too much. I don't know. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so good. And you, uh, in the, I think it's the first chapter when you comes in when Kaguya is cosplaying and he thinks it's Chika, who's, like, dressed up as a cat maid. Oh I yeah, thought, I thought that and was shames. so funny. Yeah, <laughs> shames Kaguya. Oh, Poor Kaguya. Yeah, like Kaguya just looks back at him all like ashamed, <laughs> and he realizes it's her, and he like tries to like backtrack on that. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was such mm-hmm. a funny situation. Um, another another funny section is the the arm wrestling one. Yes. Uh, it, it, I just love how it became a tournament, and that. Uh, <laughs> You know, along with the mind games, it was also just how they went about it. It was just hilarious. Absolutely. And I, I loved, you know, Kaguya's new title, Muscle Queen. Yes. <laughs> the winner. Uh, uh, so great. <laughs> yeah, man. And um, at the Culture Festival committee, uh, you know, when they're sharing the like their slogan ideas, uh like I, I just like the reactions from Miko and you, with Miko just being like all confused, and be like, like, like just by the ridiculousness of it all, which makes sense, you know, it is all absurd, uh, and you just going all out to blend in, going like, ye crazy ha, and all that, was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, it's just funny how indoctrinated <laughs> you has become in there. In their uh, culture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Anything more on comedy? I think that's it. Cool. Then let's talk about the romance, the final bit. And I want to kick it off by just just touching on the uh, origin of the Hoshin Culture Festival, a.k.a. the Hoshin legend. Uh, just briefly what that is, just in case anyone listening read it but like forgot the general gists of it. So, over a thousand years ago, there was a man who was in love with a dying princess, and he gave her his literal heart, uh, which cured her illness and saved her life. (laughs) Okay, I guess that's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's so romantic. Um, (laughs) And uh, and so it's said these days that if you give someone a heart-shaped gift at the Hoshin Festival, your love will be eternal. And yeah, Kaguya learns about that for the first time in this volume and yeah i think it's going to be you know something worth keeping in mind something to remember totally totally especially with how that chapter kind of ends mm. with her saying that she she likes miyuki and right. uh yeah they kind of ended on that note 
surely it will come back. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we have the culture festival ahead of us. So I'm super excited for that. I mean, this volume was kind of like the, or at least it's, you know, it feels like it's like the build up to the culture festival because it was very much about the, you know, all the preparations for that. Right, right. uh, So this is like sort of the beginning of the culture festival arc, you could say, even though it's technically not the culture festival yet. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I love it. I wonder how many hearts uh, Tsubami is going to (laughs) get. Yeah. I really do. Right. Oh, my God. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not a thing, but maybe there's some connection there. I know. It seems to be a popular, popular, like, uh, Mm -hmm. ritual sort of or or tradition. Mm. Hmm. But in this volume, Miyuki, you know, he musters up the courage to ask Kage out on a date, mm-hmm. uh, which he technically did that once in the past when they were all under the shoujo manga brain syndrome. Uh, and Kage rejects him again, uh, but this time it's because he's just she, she's just too dense to understand in time that she's being asked out. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but then she was able to you know muster up the courage also to ask him out. But she expressed herself too unclearly about it. Mm-hmm. We kind of touched on that already. But it's like, it, it is, you know, them taking pretty big steps on the romantic side of things. Uh, although, you know, it, yeah. it, it didn't end well, of course. But, but yeah, and I, yeah. I, I blame Kaguya for the screw up of this one. <laughs> in, this, <laughs> yeah, she, in this case. Yeah, I, mean, I, I thought, to be honest, I thought Miyuki was going about it pretty well uh right. I mean, yeah it was a it was a bit off uh, or it, it was a bit um kind of nonchalant i guess so yeah but at the same time that's pretty obvious he was asking her out mm-hmm. and she even she picked up on picked up on it like a couple seconds later but it was too late yeah yeah so <laughs> if, she, if she if she hadn't been so quick to yeah, say something that maybe she would have realized but anyway yeah but hey at least uh you and miyuki had a good time together yeah they had when they great, went yeah some bonding good bromance bonding time you know like this really was in a lot of ways like the shoujo manga thing because that also ended with the two of them going to the aquarium it's true. yeah good point uh, they had a really good time yeah <laughs> <sighs> Kaguya, well, we t- also touched about this a little bit, but from a romantic point, when Kaguya, you know, wanting to endure listening to Miyuki pop the balloons, like balloon after balloon, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, even though it's torture to her, she wants to be, you know, spend time with Miyuki. And it reminded me of uh, when she gave Miyuki a hand massage, when Miyuki was in literal pain, uh, <laughs> but he yeah. wanted to keep doing it because you know it meant being able to touch kaguya's hands <laughs> mm-hmm. it was kind of like the same thing but reversed in a way yeah no i totally they, they just want to be together and yeah it was sweet so what you got um uh, that's pretty much mostly everything yeah no i think that's that's it for romance for me gotcha and then i have one last thing regarding miku um so we touched on it a little bit before when she's describing her dream guy she describes mm-hmm. him as always gazing at her, always understands how she feels, and comes to her rescue whenever she's in trouble. I could totally see that being you. Yeah. Right? At mm-hmm. least he's there for her when she's in trouble, and he he understands people in general just better than almost anybody. So he would be able to understand her, I'm sure. 
you know, at least if they, especially if they got close. Um, but maybe even now he does, I don't know. And always gazing at her, I don't know about that one, but I could see it. Well, you know, gazing as in, like, like how, how Ishigami kind of always has her back, like, hmm. he's always making sure she's, she's okay, like, um, because he kind of feels that she's helpless without him helping her out or whatever. Hmm. Well, yeah, um, he, he's looking out for her. So, yeah, gazing at yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That that adds up. That's that's how I interpret it at the very uh-huh. least. Yeah, no, I, I, I can definitely see that. So I think, yeah, another little uh, thing to support Hint. that ship. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think that ship is going, uh, I think it's going well. It's not... Right. It's not... Uh, it's not quite built yet but i think um in due time i I think it will be yeah and i'm i'm really enjoying just well as as um akasaka already has been doing with kaguya and miyuki even though it's obviously been it's obvious it's been obvious from the start that their their Mm -hmm. ship has been a thing um but as with theirs he's also taking his time with this potential miko yu ship and I really like how he does that. Because, I mean, really, there doesn't really exist anything necessarily at this point for Miku and you. You know, there's really kind of more bad than there's good. But I still, it still feels like there is enough good that it could become something. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. All right, then. I guess that's it for uh, all of the main topics. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts about the volume as a whole? I, I mean... I think this volume does a great job of almost getting every character some spotlight and it, it, you just see how this cast works so well with each other in, right. in various ways. Hmm. I mean, especially the five main characters. Yeah, especially the five. Correct. And yeah, I, I think, like we said earlier, we're finally getting progression for Miyuki and Kaguya. Yes. Um, and... I, I hope it continues to go at, the, at this pace. Well, I mean, meaning instead of waiting another 12 volumes for there to be actually happen, <laughs> that we get some sort of confession in either the next volume or 14 or something. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be hinting that, you know, at least someone will be confessing at least by the end of the festival. So let's hope that someone let's hope. will. Let's hope. <laughs> uh, so... Have your favorite characters changed at all with this volume? Mm, I don't think so. So refresh my mind on, like your top three. Who are my top three? Uh, Kage <laughs> was probably number. Oh no, I, no Ishigami was number one. Kage was number two. Maybe I, did I flip them? <laughs> I I can't, I can't remember. I, I, I can't I, remember. It, well, you know, we we usually record this every week, but. We had a break in between. Oh, yeah, because of Titan uh, Tea Time this time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think I think I'll still put Ishigami number one, Kage number two. And you know what? No, I, I, Miyuki's number three. I, I, I can't say no to Miyuki. I think he's such a good guy. Okay. Um, I was expecting Chika. <laughs> Chika. Chika's at four. Okay, okay. <laughs> I see. For me, I can proudly say that with this volume... Miko is my number one. Mm. She is my only, like, number one favorite now. Because she was kind of sharing the number one spot with Miyuki for the past two or three volumes or something. 
okay. but now she is she is my number one, and you is my number two. Oh, you, you said Miyuki. You, oh, did you I say? Made, made, oh, sorry. Yes, I totally meant you. You meant Ishigami. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, Miko and you were like my yeah tied first place before, and now she is just it's just her and he, he you is number two, Kaguya is number three, I guess Miyuki is number four. If I'm gonna go with number four, but I, I feel like, yeah, Miyuki is worth mentioning at least. <laughs> right. And yeah, so like with a, j- just that alone, the fact that this was the volume that kind of for me brought Miko over the edge to becoming like my soul number one. Uh, just for that alone, I I love this volume a lot, and this you know especially the chapter I mentioned, uh, Miko you know can't love part one. I'm excited to see the other parts of that, see what that's gonna bring us. Because um, you know, more focus on Miko is always welcome in my in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting that Hayasaka kind of has kind of dropped. Yeah. To your top five, maybe. No, Hayasaka would be my number number five. Yeah. Yeah. She would be number five. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and she used to be number one for a while, but that was a while ago now. But yeah. Fair. Yeah, that was a while ago. But we had so much character development for her. True. In the past two three volumes, that it was like, oh, maybe. Yeah. Should have gone up a little bit, but at the same time, mm. you know, we had some strong characters as well, uh, other right. characters as well. So I totally, totally understand. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Last volume especially was awesome for Hayasaka. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but she's easily number five at least. It's just you know, yeah. all of the other four have like that that are above her in my head are just so much. Well, they've had so much more time to shine. True. But she does at least beat Chica <laughs> for me. Yeah. I... <laughs> you know, I I think I think for me, Chica's just I I appreciate her so much as a co- comedic character that, yeah. yeah, I think she's ahead of Hayasaka for me, even with all that development. Yeah, and that, that's that's totally fair. I mean, she is she is amazing at what she's supposed to be. You know, mm-hmm. uh, she does an excellent job at being a comedic character. Yeah. So yeah, um, guess that's it for for this discussion. Uh, if you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga. And if you like this episode, please share it around with anyone that you think might enjoy it as well. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time, where we'll talk about Volume 13. Bye-bye! Bye! Bye.